Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. When they ask what wakes me up in the morning is seeing people coming into work in an office where they enjoy coming into work. It's not a pressure to come in. It's not that they have to come in. They want to come in. Why do they want to come in? Because it's a pleasurable place. It's a place where there's no stress. And it's not about, hey, did you walk in 901 or 902 or 903 or, you know what I mean? It's trying to be an easy place and at the same time, enjoy the work while we do it. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 76. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Joel Lieberman. Joel is the CEO of Mint Capital. In the mortgage industry since 2005, Joel's model of all you need to do is sign has made him a home buyer's favorite. Upon founding Mint Capital, Joel placed this principle at the core of all operations. Joel derives personal satisfaction when a client closes on their dream home with minimal involvement and hassle. This accessible, honest, and proactive culture filters down from Joel's desk to every Mint Capital loan officer, processor, and associate. Joel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Naftali. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to have you. And I want to hear more about how you got started. You know, you were kind enough to share with me some information before we started recording, but I think people would enjoy hearing about your journey because it's a bit, in my opinion, it's not standard, not typical, and uh, we'd love to learn from it. So first of all, thank you for having me on. Sure. It's a little bit of a long story if I go through everything. So I'll try to cut, to cut through. So I joined the mortgage business in 2005, maybe end of 2004. Uh, I've been in the industry then 2004, five, six, seven. And then at the end of 2007, 2008, when the mortgage market started um, crashing, I started looking into other things. And that's when I left the mortgage business for a couple of years, actually till 2011. So in 2011, I have made a move. I moved from Brooklyn to upstate New York. And I was looking to do something else of what I did um, in 2010 and that, that years. So my mother told me, how about you go back into the mortgage business and start, you had successful years over there. Maybe you start again. Always listen to mom. Oh yeah. How oh, big time, big time. It was a real downtime. It was like uh, you had, uh, as I said in other articles, I didn't have $20 in my pocket to pay for my gasoline. Wow. Um, it was a rough time. And I already had three kids by then and it wasn't easy. So that's what I did. The next day, I joined the mortgage business again. Um, started out as a loan officer that's originating mortgages and at a company. And eventually, my, my sales grew and I decided to hire help to help me with that. Um, and eventually, I decided I had a good name out there in the mortgage business. Why not expand that team? and tried to build a nice company 
that we can help more people. Nice. So I, I know you said you had a lot of hurdles, but oftentimes we lead, I mean, we learn the most from other people's challenges and then their successes. So talk to us specifically, Joel, about, talk to me uh, about a, a, a particular hurdle uh, that you had to overcome. I know you talked about not having money for gas and whatnot. That's obviously tough. There's no question. If you have a family to feed, you have uh, to provide, you know, it, it's, you have to pay the bills, but there's also that piece of, you know, I, I guess our ego, right? We want to be able to say we're doing our job, right? We, we, we come as providers and we're not providing. That doesn't feel very good. Right. So, so talk, th talk through um, one hurdle in particular, please, and how you overcame it. So that time specifically was probably one of the hardest times for me financially. I, when I moved upstate, I decided I had a job in the city, uh, which started early, like seven o'clock in the morning, I had to be at work. Wow. So I realized quickly that if I live in upstate, I'm not going to be able to travel in and be there for seven o'clock. And it's not going to be a life for me. So I decided to try a business. I opened then a car wash business, a mobile car wash business. And it was a phenomenal idea. And me being an optimistic person, I was like, why not? Of course, this is going to work 100%. Uh, the idea was to go to office buildings and have them, have them um, advertise us for their um, tenants. And we will be there in the morning. They come into work, they leave the car with us, and we clean the car while they work. And they come out, and, and that's it. I mean, I guess we're trying to help people the same way we're trying to do it right now. It's sure. And, and they don't have to do anything. Just leave your car, you come out. The, it was very difficult somehow to get into those office buildings. So I went knocking door after door and trying to get office buildings to approve us to come in. I was looking for certain type of parking garages so we could work in the winter, even when it rains. But it was very hard to get into those locations. So that was like a probably a 10-month to 12-month struggle and eventually I realized, yes, I, I made $30 a day or something like that when I went into locations. So that's exactly what I was saying, that I didn't have $20. And that was, I was at a moment where I had to make a decision, what am I doing? And it was the lowest in the financial um, ever for me at that time. So I want to hear more about not so much the circumstance, but the, the decision piece of it. Because oftentimes we come to a crossroads, right? So we, we don't know what's the right next step, whether it's starting a new business or taking on a new, a new uh, individual or maybe letting somebody go. I know there are different variables and metrics that we use for different decision-making, but what would you say is a, a good way uh, for somebody who's at a crossroads, who started sort of struggling, like, I'd love to make this work and I've invested in this business and it's not going, maybe I try something different or do I call it a day and move on to something new? And of course we have so many variations of that question. What's your approach? My approach would be to talk it over with people that might be able to guide you. Meaning is sometimes what you need is just someone that can tell you, hey, I've been through this struggle. This is the person I reached out to. This is what I did. And that's when things turned around. So, of course, it has to make financially sense when you struggle. Not everyone is, and that's where people have a mistake. People always think like, okay, that guy opened the business. I can do the same. I can, not everyone 
is born with the shoulders to to take on the world and sure. to open their own business and have to cover bills. Some people can't can't have a bank account where it's zero or negative and, and still be able to build the business and do that. So I think the, what it starts is you have to know yourself. Are you someone who can you know, build a business that can take on the challenge of, of financing something that you don't have the money for that? Or do are you someone that you have to be comfortable, you have to have your wage? Now, that, that's what it starts. It starts knowing yourself what you could do. And once you know what you can um, carry, meaning is what, you, what you're able to do, that's when you make your decision. Is this business for me? Is it not? I know many people that were in business, not because they wanted to be in business. It was their spouse, for example, felt like, okay, let's open this business because they decided they want to make money. So obviously their spouse probably wants to make as well, but no, they, they were not at all in that position. They wanted to be employees, work nine to five every day. That's their capacity. That's their nature. That's who they are. And they never succeeded. They always struggled and they were never happy at the end of the day because they were never in the place where they wanted to be. So it's really interesting because I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I you okay. said two different things there and each one is valuable in and of itself. So I'd like to unpack it a drop more. Uh, you started by talking about a mentor, right? Or somebody to, to, to seek counsel from. And then you shifted pretty um, directly, or maybe that's not the right term, but, but uh, with, with a heavy emphasis, if you will, on knowing yourself, knowing your, 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 your inner drive, knowing what lights you up and knowing what your limitations are. And that's a very powerful piece because mentoring for the most part, the way I define it for most people is that you're taking on somebody who is more experienced, who's been down the road before. And that person is leveraging their life experiences to give you ideas, to give you advice. Whereas this other part, a lot of it could be self-introspection. A lot of it could be with working, let's say, for example, with a coach. And going through the process of really identifying who you are, what lights you up, and where you would find the greatest satisfaction. So I, I think it's a good combination because if you go to a mentor and all they say is, well, this is what worked for me, that may not work for you, right? Because you and he or she may be different. Yeah. Whereas if you know your inner, if you have that inner sense of, of, of where you want to go with things then that could help you filter out all the advice to figure out what ultimately works for you. It also helps you, I think, to figure out which kind of mentor would be, a ro- would be right for you because ultimately you need somebody who is, I think, wired to a degree at least similar to yourself. Yeah, so a mentor is not only telling you what they did worked. They are also people who have life experience that can tell you, you know what, to be honest, I don't think this is going to work for you, knowing you, and they can help you. And again, a mentor can also be a coach. I mean, you can hire a sure. coach that can, that can mentor you. And a coach really is not made to tell you what to do. It is to help you identify what works for you, who you are, or whatever questions you have. I'm saying that, that's what a coach does. Anything yeah. is to help you, um, whatever you're thinking, to question that, to break it down, I walk away together with the decision. Okay, this is how we're going to do. I so think I have you, to hire you as my PR guy. I can do that. <laughs> Go ahead. You were saying. Yeah, no. So I'm saying is, I would say it is one in the other. It's, it's finding a mentor. If you decide this is what you want to do, you're made for this business. It is just a matter of making certain decisions 
and you want to know how to scale a business or whatever, yes, that's when you take a mentor who will scale the business, who did certain things that they can help you with. But it's also deciding, are you made for leading a business? Are you a leader? Are you someone who could um, be good in this um, thing of owning a business? And that's a critical piece because we live in a world, Joel, where uh, with social media in particular, we're constantly inundated with other people's lives. So people are constantly posting, they're sharing their successes. Not too many people are sharing their failures. They're sharing their really good looks. Not too many people are sharing their bad ones. Uh, and so we often think that everybody is out there killing it. You know, what about me? And where do I fit into all of this? And sometimes there's certain images of success that we see repeated again and again that may just not line up with who I am and what lights me up, right? I, I love to teach, for example. I love to coach. I love to do those things. I'm not necessarily um, as driven just by certain other, let's call it metrics or ambitions that other people have. It doesn't make me right or wrong or good or bad. It just makes me who I am. And so when you know who you are and you move after it with purpose. You move after it with, with confidence, knowing that this is ultimately what your success will look like. And you, you're willing to rewrite the book of success for yourself and not be boxed in by other people's definition. That I think is the key, but so many people I think struggle with that. Yeah. I, I, and again, I know personally, I know people struggle with that and it's, and it's unfair to them. It's unfair to the families. Meaning is, Yes, again, as I said, not everyone is made to do the same. And if we realize it and we realize what our strengths is, we can enjoy life. We can enjoy coming into work. So let's actually talk about enjoying coming into work, because I know that that's an important thing for you, right? right? You look like you have a good time when you're working. But more importantly, I think it's a value that you and your partner and your team really emphasize that culture is critical at Mint Capital. So I'm curious to know, first of all, where did that start? And second of all, how has that helped your business? You know, because oftentimes people think that culture and, 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 and positivity and all that are nice, but they're kind of like side fringe benefits. They're not core. You know, you got to grind, right? You got to work hard. And that's where success is. And there's truth to that, too. I'm not saying you don't have to work hard. On the other hand, I oftentimes think that people feel that this certain interpersonal, touchy-feely elements of it get a bad rap, but yet you emphasize it. Um, and and you're, not, you're not, let's call it, in my, from my estimates, a 21st century new age, right? You have a lot of um, long-standing, centuries-long traditions. Um, you're very much a tradition-oriented person. And yet at the same time, you're, you're putting culture right up there. So I, I'd like to hear more about it. How does it work for you? Where did it come from? And um, yeah, take us through it. Um, I'm not sure where it came from, but I know that um, that I that's what I enjoy building the business for. And what I say is what I like the best in the business. When they ask what wakes me up in the morning, is seeing people coming into work in an office where they enjoy coming into work. It's not a pressure to come in. It's not that they have to come in. They want to come in. Why do they want to come in? Because it's a pleasurable place. It's a place where there's no stress. It's it's not a lot, and it's not about, hey, did you walk in 901 or 902 or 903 or you know what I mean? It's it's trying to be an easy place 
and at the same time enjoy the work while we do it. Um, I think this is something dating back to all my jobs that I had. I always enjoyed having, um, you know, people enjoy each other's company, making sure there's some gatherings, some events, whatever I worked with employees. Um, I've managed a lot of people in other places before. So that's what I always liked about the job is people. I, I enjoy people. I like meeting people. And that's what I brought into this company. So we focus a ton on that, on culture. And it is, it includes, we care for people. It is being a team player. It's belonging. It's easygoing. It's being a people's person. So we try to hire people who are part of this group, who enjoy meeting people, who enjoy helping each other. That is the culture that we try to have. Now, again, good question. Sometimes it might look in our office when you walk in, um, there's no way you get work done because, you know, people mingle and people, um, you know, we have a ton of food in our offices. We have officially breakfast, lunch. I mean, it's, it's part of our day-to-day. -day. Our closets are full. But at the end of the day, our results um, is what talks, you know. You can combine the two. I have proved that so far. And we have now over 100 employees and wow. people do not leave our company. The opposite happens. People like to join our company. I would imagine. It's driven our success so far. People sounds like, it sounds like I'm going to be applying soon. Sounds like a fun place. I can send you the email address. <laughs> Very kind. So I want to hear about how that carries over. So I'm imagining, again, this this fun place to work, people enjoying each other. Yet at the same time, you obviously have to be serious about your work to get, um, you know, all of the processes done, lead generation all the way through. So tell me about the, the customer experience side of it. What's some feedback that you're hearing and how do you think this culture directly affects that outcome? So what I've learned with culture is you don't have to, and that's the old way of thinking that if you have to set rules all, all day, you have to do this, 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 then there is something you set a culture, you set out that this is how we do stuff over here. So for example, one of the main things we focus in service is picking up phones. It's, it's something I have done when I was a loan officer by myself that I always try picking up on my clients, no matter the timing, whenever they called, even if I couldn't talk, it's about, I'll call you back in 10 minutes and an hour, but at least respond to them. Somehow in, the, in, in our industry, it is standard to be ignored. And you can call today, they'll call back tomorrow. That's the norm in our industry. And we decided to change that. It is when people call, you should be responding. You send an email, you should be responding within two minutes, five minutes. So we've put a lot of emphasis on that to respond to people. And it's just the culture that people understand. If you work at Mint Capital, this is what you're going to have to do. And this is what our customers expect is communication. I'm going to push back on that for just a moment because one of the things that is a bit of a challenge sometimes is constantly getting interrupted. Like I just got into for a moment ago. Um, and so when, when I'm in the middle of something and I'm trying to focus and get something done, and I've got all these things like little pings here and there, then I can never be present in one place. So how do you balance 
the need to be focused and, and not make mistakes. And because, right, there's a lot of paperwork and it's got to be correct. And you don't want to be sending back and forth all these errors. On the other hand, you want that level of responsiveness. How do you create the, the, the right balance of productivity for your team um, that doesn't feel like they're just flying, so to speak, by the seat of their pants? So the two answers to that, first of all, there's the, the, we do have certain timings where we set, for example, in the morning, um, not long ago, we had in our processing was very overwhelmed. So what we set out is we had all phones were transferred to our secretary, everyone's extension automatically every morning from nine till 12. She was the one getting the phone calls. And the question was, was it an emergency? Was it something you have to talk to them right now? I'll go over to the desk and I'll tell them you're calling. I'll call you back. So if not, they took a message. My point is, be responsive. Don't send them to voicemail. So we had set up a secretary. Um, when you cannot pick up, you want to do two hours focus time. Perfect. Set up an email, automatic response that I'm going to be for two hours in focus time. I will get back to you. So they know I will get back. Change your voicemail to say, I'm going to be in focus time for two hours. I'll get back to you. So of course, set yourself, but don't set yourself focus time all day that you won't be able, have time to, to, to respond to people. Sure. Also, you don't have to respond with long answers. Yes, you don't want to be interrupted, but to respond, I'm focusing now on something. I'm going to get back to you in an hour. That's good enough for me. The point yeah. is, don't ignore people. People think you're hiding something or something's happening. That's the reason you don't respond to me. So you don't have to take a long phone call and say, and, and take away 50 minutes of focus time, but just picking up a second and saying, okay, I'll get back to you in an hour, in two hours. I don't see that as being something that interrupts your, your workflow. So I would agree with that. I, I didn't hear that the first time, which is great. And I appreciate your clarification, but people do want to hear from you right away. And I, I know I, you know, I, I often yeah, joke that in, my, in my line, yeah, in my line of work, I, I feel like I need to be pleasantly persistent. Because if I'm not, then I can't reach people. But most people really aren't very mindful of the importance of communication, of at least letting people know when and where you'll be available. It doesn't mean you have to be available right now. It just Let means that you're not ignoring them and that they will hear back from you in a predictable time. And then, of course, you have to follow through. But it sounds like you've got a, a really nice way of doing that. And I, and I value that because I know what it's like on the other side. I'm actually... Uh, going to be in touch with, um, you know, somebody in, in a similar line of work a little bit later today. And I know, you know, when people get back to you right away, it just feels good. And yeah. when they don't, it feels like you're just a number and you don't want to be that. Yeah. And, and you know what? And that's, and that's what, we, that's how we mix the two. I'm saying the culture is culture. It is the easygoing part that we try to have in a company and but there are certain steps which you know in this company you have to do. You know your promises has to be kept. And, and again, I don't think you have to hold people accountable every day and challenge it. It is if you set the ground rules. This is what we do in the company. And you have a leadership team that people want to follow. They, they, they're not afraid of the leadership team. It's being one big family, open door policies. It's about walking through every day and saying hello to everyone, being part of the group, they automatically understand, okay, this is the company structure. This is how we do things and they usually follow. I love it. 
So I'm going to pull this up for a minute because this is a book I wrote on leadership. And I want to get your take on this issue, Joel, of advice you would give for somebody who's just starting out. But obviously, you've been spending some time talking about culture and communication. These are critical pieces. What would what advice would you give? Somebody comes up to you, you've been successful. How what advice would you give them? One or two things that they must keep top of mind all the time when it comes to building a business and building a team. I would say number one is to know they don't know everything and that there are smarter people than us out there. People who have done what you want to do, they have done this before. They can give us some advice, which is, again, I come back to the early part, reach out to them, read on, read books on them, see how they did it, listen to podcasts, listen to people who have done this before so you don't have to reinvent the wheel every day and, and think that you have to come up with all the solutions. I love it. Because actually the way I, I promote my book is that it's the book I wish I would have had when I first got started. And that's why I wrote it, because I didn't have it. And I yeah. made a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah. And I say I am lucky. I do have a brother who has built a bigger business than mine um, a few years ago. And he's still successful in his business. That has guided me a lot. And I did not have to do what he had to do. He had to search by himself. And I have someone I can call and ask. And he has guided me a lot. And I also figured out there are business systems, okay? Meaning systems for meetings, systems, how to run your business that are effective. And that, again, there are people who did it before. And therefore, you reach out to them and figure out how to do those kind of things. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a slightly provocative question as our last one of this segment. And that is, tell me something that most people don't agree with you that you found to be successful. Um, it's not going to be a good answer, but I, I work more on the fly than, than being someone who has calculated every move and every morning has written down exactly what they're going to do for the day. I'm more of a person who just goes with the flow, comes in and works the day um, that way. Got it. So it's interesting you say that because as a coach, you know, I've, I've mastermind groups, I have all sorts of things where I'm working with people and I do try to get them into that, I guess you'd call it rigid um, way of thinking about their day, planning it out and really monitoring their time because there are benefits in knowing how you use your time and are you doing the right thing? Should you be delegating all those pieces? But I know, Joel, that there are a lot of people out there who just, it doesn't work for them. They're just not that way. And frankly, between me and you, and I guess anyone else who's listening, I often have the same problem. I don't want to be fully boxed in by a schedule either, because I often find that there's a certain flow to what I do. And I'm in and out of, you know, lead generation, client work, setting up for a mastermind, all the things I do. And it's not like it always has to be exactly so. So I guess coming back to what you said before, you just have to figure out what works for you. Right, you and need that's to what I want to say, and I, and I wasn't aware of this until a while ago. I felt bad about it, but there is a system. You're probably aware of that to be OS. Sure. Okay. So EIS has a structure. It's the visionary, and then there's the integrator. What I realized is that I am a visionary, and visionary has certain roles, and that roles exactly match who I am. 
which I could work this way because I don't do the operations day to day and I have an integrator that does that. He has to be the one that is more structured than me and has to have his timing exactly. And I'm the one who's leading culture and bigger relationships and, and you know, the vision of the company. So that doesn't have exact timings or, or certain processes that has to be followed. So it comes back to that, it's figuring out who you are and then being okay that you can succeed with who you are as long as you know your role. And on top of it, that last point, finding complementary personalities and complementary skill sets yes. to help you, right? I have a VA who does a wonderful job in many areas. She's extremely organized. And I often lean on her to do certain things because, again, it's not in my sweet spot. But I know that with her support, those things will get done. Obviously, I have input, but she's the one who I, I, I trust heavily to push it forward because she has those skills. So, the so key, it's, it's, again, it's really nice. Yes, yeah, there is a key to success is to learn how to delegate and how right. to give away stuff. And that's delegation is a big one. It really yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Okay, Joel, fantastic. So let's move into the rapid fire and keep them short and sweet here. Three action steps that every leader should do every day. Number one, be in the office early before everyone. Be seen by your people and continue to educate on leadership. Nice. Self-educate, you mean? Yes, to read books and, and understand that what else you can listen and, and watch on leadership. Something you would tell your 25-year-old self or do differently as your 25-year-old self? I don't think I would do anything differently. I think we need to let our kids grow up and have the failures and have the successes, and that's how they learn. So just let life be your guide. Exactly. Okay, so one last one. I know we've been sort of dancing around it throughout our conversation, but I want to hit it straight on. A productivity tip that helps you, Joel, to get more done. Writing things down. Do you have a particular method? No, or WhatsApp, or texting myself, um, or just writing it down on a pad so I can, so I don't forget my ideas constantly. So I'd love to give Lead to Succeed Nation an opportunity to reach out to you to learn more about you, your business, uh, maybe benefit from your services. So please let us know where they can find you online and where they can, how they can connect with you. So on the website, themintcapital.com, you'll see all the information directly to my contact and any business opportunities. I guess you'll see other people you can reach out to. So I'll be happy to talk to anyone. And you can find Joel on LinkedIn. That's certainly where I've gotten that's, to that's know him. one of the places. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Finally, you've given us a lot. Um, we're actually talking at a very auspicious time, just in the days leading up to the Jewish high holidays, although this is not going to release until after that, but leave us please Joel with one final life lesson, something that you have gained over your years that will help us, uh, to be more inspired leaders and just do really good work every day. I would say it's to never give up and just continue doing what you do and learn and grow spiritually and in life and talk to other people when you have something to talk about discuss it get people to help you out don't be alone on the world 
I love it. And really, I think a reflection of your entire life journey thus far. So, so thank you, Joel. It's really been a pleasure. Uh, I've known you uh, on LinkedIn in some way, but there's nothing quite like the face-to-face conversation. And so thank you very much for making the time. We've all benefited from it. And I wish you much continued success. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 